Thank you very much. Morning. It's Wednesday and it's the 16th of May 2007. Praise God. Brought us through another year for some of us. Thank you, Father. Meaning that there's birthdays around. That's what I meant by that. <laughs> so we're looking really at fellowships and what God is uh, really wanting to cement into our hearts. What it means about having meetings and being in fellowship and being together and the whole koinonia thing. Um, I really want to probably start with uh, just telling you a bit about my own struggle right now um, because we've got this flesh-spirit struggle all the time if we're normal. Uh, and young Richard rang last night, Richard Kemsley, some of you know him, and he'd been to Winchester where a guy from Tacoma, is it? Tacoma had been speaking because they have got somewhat of a revival out there and it's been going on for quite a long time uh, and uh, Richard had been and bless his heart he always rings me up and tells me what's going on so I get to find out the the news but as he started to speak I had my customary sort of something rising inside me and I knew it's my old nature which is something I've been I've been asking the Lord about, and He gave me the the clue, the key to it this morning, is the whole business of ch church as it exists at the moment, and church how God wants it to be, and I I could feel this rising, which I knew would be a block to what He actually wanted to say to me if I didn't get top sides of it, because I knew that what would be happening would be my opinion, my opinion rising up. Uh, instead of hearing what he said, so I sort of said, sure, good down, and began to open my heart to what he wanted to say. So I'll tell you what he said la last night in a minute, but when I was talking to the Lord about it this morning, he's virtually said to me, it's a straightforward choice. When you feel that rising up in you, just say, I'm not going there. Get down. Because this is the old nature rising up, uh, it's where it says, you know, it sets itself against, uh, the, it's like pulling down every stronghold that rises up against the knowledge of God. So here's my stronghold that I'm currently battling with and I am going to overcome it because I'm not, I'm not comfortable feeling like that inside when someone's trying to tell me something about what's going on. As it happened, of course, he didn't actually talk about what the man talked about about Tacoma. He talked about the guy that he travelled with. There's a man called David who I haven't met yet. Prophetic, obviously been on the sidelines for many years, waiting for the Lord to open the door. And David, on the way to Winchester, had been telling Richard what God had been doing in his life. They're good friends and he goes and uh, fellowships with him. And it's brilliant for him to have a man to go to like that. Um, but back to this church in Tacoma I'm not sure if it's the guy Bill Johnson that ran the church but some five years ago um, he had a congregation of 1700 and doing the normal churchy things and God suddenly said to him you've known who I am now I want to show you my power well that's nice so into the morning meeting that come, day comes someone who suddenly halfway through the meeting starts manifesting so they shoveled them out quick didn't know what to do with that, shovel that out. So the evening meeting comes along, and sure enough, in comes a woman in the middle of it, starts manifesting, shovel that one out quick, don't want that here, can't deal with this. 
And he said it was like Peter when uh, uh, God let down the sheet and Peter said, forbid it, Lord, I can't eat this. Peter had a mindset that God had to offend his mind to get to his heart. And so he said God was doing this with him, offending his mind. Because at that time they didn't have any of the power gifts moving at all in the church. Deliverance was not there. Healing was not there. They were doing church, you know. Soup kitchen, uh -huh, uh, meetings, happy clappy, doing the whole charismatic bit. Um, and then when God showed him what he wanted to do, his congregation shrunk by 70%. Because 70% of them did not want to go the way that God wanted to go. Now, five years on, this church, he said, even if you're serving in the soup kitchen, you will have learned how to do deliverance and inner healing. You will have learned how to move in the gifts because you can't even serve soup if you're not moving in Jesus' ministry. And I thought, that is church. And you notice that it's not feeding church. It's feeding the people out there. Uh, and as I thought about this this morning, I saw the bride. One side of her was heavily overweight. I mean, great fat arms, huge boobs, stomach hanging out there. But hanging down was an arm that was withered, right down to just the bone and skin. She'd not, that part of her was not fed at all. So on one side, we have got the overweight bride that goes from one conference to the next, getting fed, seeing all the stuff, which actually should be happening out there. Chasing signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are not for the church. They're for the people out there. We've become an audience instead of an army. But the other half is the withered part of the bride that has not experienced any of this. Don't get exposed to it. Don't know it's there. She's completely dried up and hanging but part of the body. It was, it was a horrible thing. Uh, so... I. Uh, that is the way I'm sensing it, that God is saying, you know, we've got to stop fattening ourselves up and get lean and fit, get healed and get cracking with whatever his destiny is for you. And it will be s different for every single person. But as Graham is saying, he has got a prophetic destiny for every one of us. So we need to get cracking with finding out what that is. And not constantly... When I'm healed, I'll do it. No, you are. Get out and do it. Heal you on the way. When he put the mud on the man's eyes, he went and he saw. So you've got what you need. Now go and you'll see. So to an extent, there is this having to move with the pushing. As if you go on in that CD, he says, I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you into a higher place in me. I thought, some will love it, some will hate it. Will I like it? Sometimes I will and sometimes I won't, but pushed I'm going to be. Anyway, there we are. So then uh, Richard started talking about what David had been experiencing and somehow or other a door has opened for Joyce. What's the name of the island? Off Vancouver Island. Uh, and he had somehow gone to a... He first, no, backtrack. He'd gone to Graham Cook's conference, Permission Granted. And I think he must have sat next to a pastor. And this pastor's saying to him, I don't understand, what's he saying? 
I can't understand what he's saying. What's he saying? What's he mean? So this David has the gift of being able to interpret what Graham is saying. Because Graham is coming from quite a high place. And I mean, I have to think about what he means about intentionality. I mean, that's where I'm at. I have to think, what you mean? No, what you mean? I need it unpicked for me because I don't understand what he's saying. So this pastor was like that. So he starts, David starts telling him. Pastor says, you need to come to my church and do this. Well, David ignored that and thought, well, let people say things like that. Gets back in this country, gets a phone call. When are you coming? Long and short of it, he goes over to there uh, and starts to minister in this church in Vancouver Island. And um, they bring in to him one night a guy who's been a biker in the past. And he's tormented. Tormented during the day, tormented at night. It's, it's just, uh -huh. So God says to him, uh, someone's after him, says to David. So he said, uh, someone's after you. Nah. Next thing is, you owe someone some money. Do you owe someone some money? Nah. Nah. You sure you don't owe someone some money? Nah. Oh, yeah, wait, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. Years ago, when I was a biker, I had to do a runner because I owed someone some money. And they put these funny symbols all over my bike. What we got? Hex. Curse. Spell. So that's fine. Gets that dealt with. All of a sudden, starts getting a burning on his leg and a burning on his arm. God says, weapon. Have you ever carried a weapon? No. Are you sure you haven't ever carried a weapon? Getting harder, this hotter, this burning on leg and arm. No, no. Uh, uh, well, uh, there was a time when I had sort of like a knife down my sock and one under my armpit there, you know, just for safety. So, Uh-huh, that's that then. So we confess that, get rid of that, that's fine. What was the third thing? There was another thing. Ah, yeah. Have you ever killed anyone? No. Well, God says you couldn't have done anything else. At which point the bloke says, well, years ago, when I was a biker, this man had raped a prostitute and he was beating her up. And I was only little. And I took a hammer to him to get him off. This woman it was the only way. So God says to him, it was the only thing you could do. Uh, and Richard, I mean, was absolutely cock-a-hoop with all these things. But this is the way the prophetic will come into action, which is so important did you want to say something? No. No, you weren't waving at me. No. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pat Cocking. Or Pat King now. She is, isn't she? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. You have to go as the Lord leads, where he leads you to go, and you don't go thinking this is a bright idea. Because when I heard what Richard was saying, I thought, don't tell me. They're bringing it over here and now they want to make a carbon copy because that was instinctively what I thought. So as I say, he didn't really speak too much about what the man from Tacoma said. He spoke about what actually David was saying and how the door was opening for David's ministry. It's like those of us, there was a prophetic word that have sat on the sidelines for years and years and years. God's opening the door and shoving us through and we're sort of, like going round a revolving door, a bit of a surprised expression on our face as we shoot through the other side. Anyway, so that's uh, 
bring me up to speed with with what I've heard over the last 20, 24 hours, which was absolutely brilliant. I mean, my heart sang. I said, I just, I'm so blessed because I'm just so thrilled for him, just so pleased for him, uh, that that which God has determined for him is, is coming about, is coming to pass. Okay, having said that, I've now got a bit of paper here. Now, the Lord said to me when the meeting started, go out and put that on a piece of paper. So, okay. So, could someone hold this up for me? We could unpeel it, but unpick it, because it's heavy otherwise. There's two sheets there. Thank you. What we're going to look at <coughs> a little bit, I think, is the difference between Eros and Agape. And how, if we don't walk in Agape, we're sunk. So, the scripture that I want to draw your attention to is Ephesians 4. Thank you, Jane. Oh. I'll have a look at it as well. That's it. I'll read this out for those that are going to listen on the CD. The sheet, sheet of paper with a line drawn across the middle. And underneath it is the word eros with an arrow turned back on itself which indicates self-referential love is self-indulgent and it's meet my needs it's love with a hook and above the line is how can i meet your need agape prefers others so what we're looking at is complete transformation of our minds of our thinking and the way we look at situations can you lift the other sheet up there's something else underneath i think it might go the other way i'm not sure yeah it does <laughs> can't remember what I've done myself right now this was the word that the Lord actually gave me this morning the law of re-relating and this is the law of relating to people, things, money, children, family, circumstances everything totally differently and it's Romans 12, 12.2 it's transformed thinking Thank you, June Tar. Uh, so essentially, where we're going is to look at one of the kingdom laws, which is the law of re-relating to everything. There will be no personal transformation at all without our minds are renewed. Got my usual piece. I'm not going to say what it is on CD, <laughs> where my notes are. Uh, so have another thought. That's why I told you about what happened with me yesterday. That is part of my process of having my thinking transformed. I'm not going there. Because that will minister death to me going there. So I'm either ministering life or death to myself. I'm either ministering bondage or freedom to myself. There's no in between. So if I go the way of thinking negative thoughts about what Richard might be going to be telling me about church and how am I going to control myself because the whole system makes me cross, I'm just going to be in stew and I'm going to be deaf to hearing what he actually wants to hear because what is rising up in me is my opinion. So now God has shown me the key is to shut... <laughs> can't say that on the thing, can I? So unless our thinking falls into line with God's, we'll only ever have access to knowledge instead of wisdom. 
you can have a head full of knowledge which will help you not at all because it's the wisdom of God that you need his ways are so much higher he gave me a revelation of that between the kitchen and the lounge one day my ways are not your ways neither are my thoughts your thoughts and I thought I said no I know that Lord no you don't know that what I'm saying is my way of love that's what that passage is talking about is so much higher than your way of love your way of love Beryl is self-referential isn't it it's got me at the center of it and that's not pretty and it's a process you can't have prayer ministry for it you can't have laying on of hands for an impartation of it the thing has got to be put to death it really is a cross at work in our lives so that we no longer have just access to knowledge but we have wisdom I'm crying out for the Lord to show me the treasure in people he's doing it because people can present to you things that are not pretty and you think stuff you if you're in the natural and you as well mate may you enjoy it <laughs> I wish you pleasure in it that's when I'm having a cardinal moment but it's not the way that God sees things so I'm having to say father what's your perspective on this and he will make sure that there are people around you when you start to embark on this that will right get up your nostrils they really will I want to read the scripture that, um, that I'm um, coming to it's, it's Ephesians 4 uh, and it's verse 22 and 23 and I liked it in the Amplified strip yourselves of your former nature Put off and discard your old unrenewed self which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed, constantly, this is ongoing, it's not just a once off in the spirit of your mind having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and verse 24 and put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. Graham would say, can I have a carnal moment, Lord? You know, We can have a carnal moment and indulge our fleshly desires, but I tell you, you won't enjoy it. The further you go on, I have a right to speak, and I'm just going to say this because nobody ever listened to me when I was a child, and I never had the chance to say it. You might get a momentary pleasure at saying what you felt you needed to say but it ain't coming out of your new nature it's coming straight out of your old it's coming out of a well of resentment and bitterness that you were never enabled to speak when you were young it's got to be discarded because only poison is coming out At the poison of asps is under their tongue it's only poison that is coming out from a well like that You've got to say, look at this bottle and think, it's no good. I'm not drinking from that. It's marked poison. You cannot drink from the well of your own fallen nature because you'll minister death to yourself and to everybody else. 
I said to the Lord when I began to get a sense of what he wanted to say, uh, after listening to Graham, I thought, I'm going to come like a cold bucket of cold water. <laughs> but actually, you see, it's agape. I want to see you transformed into what he wants. I want to be transformed into what he wants. And to do that, I've got to nail this thing. You know, and it's choices. We cannot say that we don't have a choice because, as Anne said, free will was what Adam was given in the garden. It's a name for nothing. The prayer of relinquishment is the greatest prayer you can ever pray. To relinquish that which you think you are holding but is actually holding you. If there's anything that you can't let go of, and this is where the law of re-relating comes in, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's got you, you haven't got it. You think that you are holding on to it because you need it, but actually it's got you in a grip like iron. And you let go of it, and you come into freedom. So whatever it is, money, children, family, parents, houses, possessions, I don't care, you put your own thingy in the space. Whatever it is, just ask the Lord, what's holding me? What has me that I think I've got? You can't go through the squeezed place that... Jesus will take you through to bring you into freedom carrying anything at all it's just you and him going through that little space and there's a lot of it going on right now I had a young lad on the phone yesterday and, and I handled it extremely badly I realised afterwards I should have said to him I'll pray about it and come back to you I'm learning because he told me such a sorry tale he'd been getting all these words and everything was falling apart and he got all these words that God was going to give him the disaster of his heart and all this and that and the next thing and everything was going absolutely pear-shaped and uh, I suppose all I can do is hold on in faith to those scriptures so I said don't do that darling all you're doing is setting yourself up for disappointment because what was actually happening was he had an agenda that he wanted God to fulfill. And these scriptures for him substantiated the agenda he wanted to fulfill. He wanted a girly, a particular girly. And she's a lot younger than him, like 20 years. And he came and talked to me about it. And I thought, why have you got to... I said, why don't you go and see her parents first? And approach them before you do anything. Ask them how they would feel if you asked their daughter out well it was some weeks ago but apparently as I understand it this advice came from several directions so eventually he went to the mother who pondered a couple of days and he's not sure whether she went and asked the girlie or what but the answer came back you're too old God said he was going to give me the desires of my heart I'm so angry with him I'm so angry Somebody else had given him Thessalonians that God will complete that which he started and all that and he'll give you what you want and all that. And I'm thinking, where do I start? <laughs> I actually said to him, 
where do I start? I said, when I spoke to you before, I felt your theology was so upside down because it's all charismatic. It's like if I hang on to this promise, God's got to do it. And I, I don't know where to start to, 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 to tell you that, that you, you know, you're going wrong. And of course, what I should have done in hindsight, perfect science, was to have said, I'll pray about it and I'll come back to you. In the end, I prayed for him and what God showed me was that he had now he had a bullet of rejection that went way, 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 way back. See this bullet. And I asked the Lord to just remove it, pull it out, heal him up. And of course, what he was kicking into was the rejection issue. He actually was displaying rejection. At the end, I don't, I don't ask me what. God's so marvellous. I bumble along and this, he ended up laughing. So I have no idea what I, what, what, but it was okay gone off with a smile on his face um, but these lost where I'm going to go anyway I was annoyed with myself for not having thought quickly enough to say give me the facts I'll go away and I'll pray about it and come back to you with something because I'm crying out to the Lord what do you want to say here what's wisdom here you know there's all this little, little, little going on while I'm listening to the person uh, so I didn't want it to come out of my old fallen nature but I realized afterwards when I did calm down and quieted before the Lord yes God does want to give him the desires of his heart but he himself God himself will choose who that is where it's gone pear-shaped is he's gone out and selected who he wants that's mine, that's the one I want. Uh, and it's not God's choice for him. So now he's angry with God because he doesn't understand. I don't think I've got a telephone number or... Have I got a telephone Have I? Right, I might ring him back and just say, put your ears around this one. I tried to get him to come here last night to listen to Graham Cook's CD because I thought, you, you need to get God's perspective on this. But this is popping up all over the body of Christ right now because God is squeezing us, I believe, through this narrow place of Ephesians 4, 22, 23, 24, and Romans 12, 2, about being getting rid of anything that holds us. And I tell you that prophets and the prophetic generally will always attack any notion or practice that threatens the freedom of people. I think probably that's why I get a steam up when I hear about the way people are so damaged with what, currently goes on in church and I know we're in transition and I'm trying to get control of my own emotion in this situation but I think that is what kicks in um, when I hear these things I get angry about the fact that actually the leadership do not understand what God's doing largely by and large they don't because they're so busy and cumbered about with the running of their churches and the people's needs they don't have time to hear him and most often it's not a plurality of leadership at all it's one man at the front there who cannot possibly serve the needs of all these he's not meant to that's why i'm i'm really seeing the corporate as well as i'm seeing the individual and I'm wanting to bring every, there is a place for every individual to fulfill. Nobody is sidelined as far as God is concerned. And the, I think we've probably explored this before, but the most brilliant thing that came to my mind again this week was uh, 
Jesus' selection of Peter and the other boys uh, to follow him. Now when disciples wanted to follow a rabbi, they would go to the rabbi um, and he would check them out to see whether they were worth taking on. The rabbi would have upwards of two or three hundred followers who would walk around with him, following here in his wisdom and, you know, his gold dropping from his mouth there. But he'd have a little circle of ten or twelve who he would specially bring along because he could see that what he was teaching they would retain. I think I've told you about, haven't I, the sponge, the funnel, the sifter and the sieve? That's how they... Oh, brilliant. If you haven't told you'll love this. The sponge sucks up everything, the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> Takes it all in. I bet the thing like that. So that's that. The funnel, open at one end, put it all in, wonderful stuff, drop straight out of the book. Come back to you next week. What did you hear last week? What? Oh, gone. Drop straight through the hole in the middle. That's okay. That's one. The sifter sifts out all the lumps and keeps those, my word. You know, all the unnecessary, you know, did Paul have a wife? If he did, was he celibate? Was this, you know, how old was he? All these unnecessary bits of trivia. Hold on to all that. Let's all the good stuff go. But the sifter sifts out the fine flour and ditches the stuff that's no good. So you're looking for sifters. Ones that will hear the word, understand it, retain it, and guess what? Be able to pass it on to others. You're not looking for a sponge, a funnel, or a sieve. So this is the way the rabbis chose them. And if they were no good, they'd say, boy, go back and join your father's business. So they would send them back. These boys were fishing. They'd been sent back. Because as far as the rabbis were concerned, they were not they were not the stuff they were looking for. So Jesus strolls along the beach one morning, sees these boys, boys, follow me. He's chosen chosen the unlearned. <laughs> what was it in Acts? They wished that these unlearned fishermen had been with Jesus. They figured it, they saw it. So he doesn't pick the intellectuals, here am I. I'm not an intellectual, not well educated. I don't know one end of a screw from the other, not that I need to, but you know what I mean. And Jesus comes along and says, you're just what I want, June. You're just what I want, Dominique. You're just what I want. You're just what I want. Because you're not educated up to the eyebrows. You haven't got loads of ideas, and but you're just what I want. I can do something with this. God doesn't look the way we do. So it's all about this transformation of our mind. So uh, you get people saying like they did, this person did to me. That's always hoot when I think of it. I can't imagine why God chose you. I, can't, I really can't understand that at all. I said, neither can I. It's brilliant, isn't it? I just, uh, you know, he must have been out of his mind, really. Yeah, well, why didn't he choose me was what he was saying. But, well, maybe it's because your head couldn't get in through the door. <laughs> Perhaps that's what it was. Anyway, there we are. That's neither here nor there. I mean, I'm, I'm, no rancor there. That's just, just, just an observation. So it's all about being transformed through the renewing of our minds. Because if you ask him, he will show you how he sees a situation. But you have to be prepared to lay down your preconceived ideas, like I did last night. I mean, I had a wrestling match for about two seconds flat. I thought, I'm going to get control of this thing. Shut up. 
it's real. The fallen nature is 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 is, is voracious, and it's got a bite to it. If any of you have got one, uh, and the 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 victory begins to come when you recognise it. When you think, "Hey, up! That's not Jesus rising up there." You can feel it. I can. If it starts from here, it comes up, and I'm thinking, "Get down." A good job to have is mine if you want to get your old nature dealt with. <laughs> you get provoked right left and centre. You get good training for keeping it quiet. But obviously there is a bit more provocation that needs to come yet to, to kill this thing off completely. Uh, so there we are, wherever my little notices are. Yes, I want them again. Yeah. So what we start, thank you, June. What we started off with was this eros, self-referential love. You can ask the Lord where you have self-referential love. I've got a lovely prayer that actually says, you know, Lord, you've just shown me that my love uh, controls, manipulates, wants its own way, um, indulges itself. But you, uh, I've, I've just seen that even my love for my family is packed full of sin. Because what we're talking about here is the sinful life and sinful love because it's actually wanting to take from itself I mean, even when I was a, a non-Christian I realised that being in love with someone was about the most selfish thing because I wanted that person I wanted to own them I wanted to possess them and I wanted them doing what I wanted them to do to meet my needs please I mean that book um Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It actually says how to get your needs met. That's the sum total of it. How to get your needs met. And you see, you can't do this artificially. You can't suddenly say, oh, well, I'm going to prefer everybody else with a sweet smile on your face. Because we're moving into hypocrisy then. We've got to be absolutely honest with ourselves. That's it. So we come into the law of re-relating. But the pressure going through the w from the wide road into the narrow place and out into the freedom there is squeezing. That's it. Constricting. It's a straight place. Straight is the way and narrow and few that find it. Amongst Christians there will actually be few that find the way into the law of re-relating for whatever reason. But God will make sure that everything gets squeezed off. There was a friend of ours. She's gone to be with the Lord now. She saw this um, escalator, but she got loads of luggage. And she couldn't get on the escalator unless she left all her luggage. So she stood there at the bottom there thinking, I want to take this lot with me, but I can't, you know. And we were saying to her, you've got to leave it behind. So... We find we re-relate to people, things, money, children, family. I mean, when I start to talk, hopefully, uh, it's come September time, about uh, money, tithing, the whole issue of what we do with... The, it isn't just money, it's stewardship. What we do with it, is it mine, 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 mine? You can have 10% God, but it's the rest of it's mine, 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 mine. We're talking about the law of re-relating to money. And it's freeing. It's liberating because no longer are we putting our trust in any of those things. Because virtually what he's doing is stripping off 
our trust in people, things, money, children, family. You put your rest in it there. So he's stripping us down so that there's one thing we trust and that's him. <sighs> so prophets always attack any notion or practice that threatens the freedom of people. And these things are bondage. Because when you pop out the other end, you are free to love people, love have things without strings. Don't stick to your fingers like Punchinello. The dots drop off. Nothing is going to hold us. We're then absolutely free when we love not our lives to the death. That's the last thing to go, is actually relinquishing your right to your life and saying, Lord, whatever you do with it, it's up to you. You're in a place then of absolute safety. Not there yet. Me, that is. But you're in a place of absolute safety because no longer does anything have a hold. Sickness won't frighten you. Illness won't frighten you. Because you're not holding on to this life. That is a bondage, trying to hold on to it. Our first recourse, and I can't speak on this with authority because I'm not there yet, is to go to the Lord with anything that is wrong with our bodies. I want to get there. Because I think that the healing is in the atonement. In fact, he showed me the other day a picture, I might have said to you, of his hands nailed to the cross, and on through the where the nail went through the middle was a little piece of paper, a little square. And I knew that that was all my sicknesses were nailed to the cross on that bit of paper. Healing is in the atonement. But in order to receive it, we have to expect it, receive it. We've got to receive it. We've got to look for that first. I mean, there have various, been various bits and pieces of me that have malfunctioned. Um, some of you know that a couple of, three, four years ago, I had a very bad left hip. It was sore. I'd, I, I couldn't lay in bed. I couldn't walk about. I couldn't move. I'd get up, groan and grumble. God said, I'm going to heal you. Six months, year later, done. Didn't go anywhere about it. He's healed me. And it was a result, I remember now, it's reminding me, of a damage that was done when I was about 15. I was playing tennis. I did like to play tennis with the guys because they hit the ball nice and hard and I could give it a while. And my foot stuck on the tarmac, but the rest of my body swivelled. So the whole ball joint was like, and it was so painful. And then some years later, when I started to ride a horse, of course, that same action again of the, of the, of the, the leg being turned out was ab adduction, isn't it, away from? Or abduction, I'm not sure which way it is. Anyway, it was outwards, and that caused pain there. And of course, there it came in again a bit later on. And then there was the business with my knee, and uh, I, I walked around the the whole orchard the other day without anything any tr I was so thrilled completely pain free like a 20 year old going down there but here's my first recourse if he then says to me go to the doctor I'll go but my trust isn't in the doctor it's in him for him to tell me I mean I've 
got this pressures thing in my eyes, which I really, really would like to see the back of. So I'm, I'm declaring the Lord's my healer. I'm taking these, taking these drops in my eyes once a day, which I bless. If you're taking any medication, for goodness sake, bless it. Sanctify it to your use, because otherwise you get dollops of stuff that you don't require. You know. But I'm not advocating that anybody stops taking medicines. Please don't hear hear what I'm saying. We're on a on a progression into the heart of God to see what He's done for us in the atonement. Anyway, that would be that then. Thank you for listening. God bless.